Blog Talk Radio. Hello, Nats Town. Welcome to Nats Nightly, sponsored by FederalBaseball.com. This is Patrick Reddington from Federal Baseball. I've got Doghouse on the line to talk about the Nationals' 3-1 win over the Miami Marlins. In a few minutes, we're going to be joined by MassInSports.com's Byron Kerr as well to talk about the Eric Setti start for the uh, Potomac Nationals this afternoon, but Doghouse for the first part of the show. We're going to talk about the Nationals. Uh, I'll just note right now a left hamstring tightness for Jason Worth is the reason he left there. We should also note that Joe Ross left the start after just two innings. All of these notes I had on him are worthless. The Marlins stacked the lineup with lefties because he has a 273-54-34 line against and 181 career PAs against lefties. Uh, 217-333-304 versus lefties and 27 plate appearances so far this season, but really didn't see much of Joe Ross. He leaves with a blister after two innings of work. Uh, they were checking on his right hand between between innings, sent him back out for a second inning and let him bat. So apparently it wasn't anything really bad, but Yusmero Petit ends up coming on in the third. So a quick outing there for Joe Ross tonight. Yeah, and, and let me just add that now I feel guilty for sort of poking fun at Jason Worth in the game thread about running down a couple of balls there in left field before he uh, got got the tightness in his hamstring. I, I'm uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> he did make some really nice plays in, there, though. Yeah, he did. Like like a, like a young Josh Willingham. No, that's that's ungenerous. I, I don't think Josh <laughs> Willingham made plays like that even when he was young. Um, <laughs> Ross looked pretty good, uh, e- e- even considering if, if that, that, that blister was, was forming and bothering, I, I assume that didn't all happen during the game today. Uh, it was probably just aggravated something that's been, that's been you know, building up from the last time you threw a side or something. But uh, he looked good. Uh, he, he got results. Uh, didn't strike or no one out, you know, so that gets a thumbs down from me. But... Uh, <laughs> Only one hit in two innings. Um, it, it looked like he was commanding his pitches pretty well, and like in in just about every uh, every outing we we see from him, he looked fearless. He wasn't a- afraid to go after hitters. For all the struggles that the Marlins uh, have had so far this year, they have an impressive lineup, and he did not seem phased by them at all. So let's uh, let's put some witch hazel on that, or some of. FP's patent pickle juice elixir that I think he was trying to sell there during the broadcast and, and get him back in the rotation. Yeah, I'm assuming when we uh, hear from Dusty Baker tonight in the post-game press conference, he's going to tell everyone that there were, this was out of an abundance of caution. If there was any issue there, you want to get him out there and make sure you don't exacerbate it. But two innings from Ross, there was a quick outing, so hopefully he'll be nice and rested for the next one and this won't be an issue going forward. But on the mound for the Marlins tonight, Wei Yin Chen, who they signed as a free agent this winter. Uh, he's facing a national team that after last night had a 310, 381, 684 line versus left handers this year. Good for second, third, and first across the line in the NL. Uh, he was down early. He walked Anthony Rendon, who you may have heard walked more than he came in college. Two out RBI double by Ryan Zimmerman follows there. Zim with another sh- nice stroke. Uh, lines one to left center field this time. We're used to knowing Zim is on. Uh, at the plate when he lines up the right center, but really just smoked that one to left center to bring Anthony Rendon around from first. And nice to see Anthony Rendon out there on the bases again, looking healthy and really nice play there uh, to get around the bases on Zim's liner and get the Nationals up one nothing early. Yeah, Zim, Zim really smoked that ball. If anything, he might have hit it a little too hard that uh, uh, it, it, the, the play got to him there at third eventually. 
Um, it, it is nice to see uh, Rendon on the bases. You know, I'm, I'm certainly on the record as advocating that Rendon should be leading off right now. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that, that's likely to happen given what we understand of, of Dusty Baker's philosophy. But, you know, he, he clearly has the on-base skills to be up high in the order and, and getting things done for the Nats. And it was, it was awfully nice to see Zim making some hard contact these last couple of games and, uh, and getting some extra base hits. Yes, I did like your order that you posted in the game thread. Yes, I do monitor them for any trolls that are out there looking to cause trouble. But uh, Rendon and Harper up top, if I believe, is what you had there to get them the most at bats as possible. And you know, maybe not a big RBI spot for Bryce Harper, but you want those two hitters at the top of the lineup, as I assume you're thinking there. Yeah, yeah, and then you know, put 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 Zim and uh, Zim and Murphy behind it. I actually wouldn't object to seeing Murphy uh, leading off, but he, he's got a little more pop than Rendon, at least lately. So, you know, bat him forth, give him a chance to drive people in. He was uh, no no dingers today, although I think he was, what, two for four with a uh, couple of singles. So, no, maybe he is our leadoff guy. Maybe he's making a bid to be at the top of the order there. If Joe Ross can't pitch for a while, maybe they can use him at the top. He was patient walking in the top of the third when they let, let him get that last at bat in. Takes a leadoff walk from Wei Yin Chen. Still standing on first two outs later when Bryce Harper absolutely scorches a line drive over Ichiro's head in center. Brings Ross all the way around from first to score. 2 nothing there. Just another beautiful swing from Harper. A nice at bat there by Ross to get on base in the first place. And before he was out of the game, he uh, paid dividends, getting what eventually ends up being the winning run here. Yeah, it, it, it just, it, it's frustrating to see Ross put together such a, a good, patient at-bat there, and then Michael A. Taylor comes up right after him and just hacks and hacks and hacks. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I love his speed. I love his fielding, and certainly you have to appreciate his pop. You know, he put it together later in the game, but uh, just the, the, the strike zone discipline, I think, really needs some work, and the advice for him to be more aggressive, I think, maybe maybe it's not the best approach, or at least it doesn't seem to be paying off in terms of results yet. But uh, a, a great patient at bat from Ross. You know what a fan I am of pitchers being semi-competent at the plate. I think it's one of the great things about NL baseball. And as I, I pointed out to someone earlier today, it was one of the, uh, one of the big keys to the, the Nats' great 2012 season was production from the pitchers. So, you know, not that this is, you know, a direct echo of that, but it it it, it does my heart good to see uh, uh, pitchers up there being competent at the plate. One thing Michael Taylor does do, as you mentioned, though, is that jumps on those fastballs, especially likes that first pitch when he can get it. Got an 83-mile-an-hour fastball inside from Wei and Chen, and is a, I think it was his second at-bat in the fifth either way. Powers it out to right center field. Uh, just when he has that opposite field power, when he connects with things, you know, you sort of for a minute at least forget the strikeouts from previously in the game when you just see that power on display. And maybe even more frustrating, honestly, on the other side of that because you, you want him to be able to do that more often and not see him up there free swinging and striking out as much as he does. But when he does make contact, it's a thing of beauty at times. And that opposite field power is really impressive. No, oh, I, I still remember that uh, that go-ahead home run he hit in Arizona when uh, Harper got yeah. thrown out of the game. He came in and hit it to straightaway center where it's like 420 to the wall. The line is like 15 feet up, and he hit it in the little window of the walkway above the line. 
I mean, this this is a a kid with some ridiculous power when he connects. It's just it's frustrating to see the the lack of contact and and the way he will chase after a bad pitch. You know, but you know maybe uh, maybe a little bit of experience, more experience, a little more seasoning, he'll be able to work that out and be a a little bit more consistent at the plate. This isn't really a question, but I'll just read what I have written down here in my notes. Can we all please agree that we need to stop stop walking Christian Yelich in front of Giancarlo Stanton? I don't know if he was batting behind him in all of these cases so far, but they've walked him now seven times this season. It hasn't come back to haunt them yet, but not a good idea, generally speaking. Uh, after Yusmero Petit threw four innings, giving up one run on a Derek Dietrich home run, they went to the bullpen. Oliver Perez with a really nice 12-pitch seventh inning. Blake Trining comes on, gives up a single, but gets a double play with that sinker. And we get Jonathan Papelbon in the ninth inning. He gives up a single by Dietrich. At least he didn't uh, by Yelich, I should say. At least he didn't walk him, but has to go head-to-head with Giancarlo Stanton as a potential tying run. SP Santangelo was urging them to kind of pitch around him or at least not giving him anything to really hit. And what do you know, Jonathan Papelbon just goes out there and flat-out challenges them. Just about everything was over the plate, making me sweat this one out. But gets them looking with a 1-2 fastball to end the game. And really nice to, you know, regardless of the thought process behind it, which I'm still questioning at this moment as we get half an hour out of this game. But really nice to see Papelbon just challenge to stand in there and actually get the best of them this time. Well, it's it's difficult to say uh, whether it's it's fearlessness or foolishness or or equal parts <laughs> of both. But you know, I'm I'm looking low 90s fastball without a lot of movement. Two of them on the inner half to Stanton. I, I, he, he missed though, so I guess I can't complain. Uh, he got a bit of a call with that one on the outside corner there, but again, I'm not going to complain. Result, so. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to lie this time and say I was never worried. I I was worried every pitch of that. But uh, tonight was another offer for Stanton with three Ks, uh, which is kind of surprising. So walk him to get to Stanton, what what could it hurt? Well, it it seems to be a working strategy. Uh, No matter that this is – were I a Marlins fan, this is what I would be constantly yelling at Matt's pitchers to heckle them. so I, I guess it's a good thing I'm not the Marlins fan. <laughs> yes, a lone fan in an empty stadium. It is kind of odd watching games that are that quiet. Granted, there's a lot going on. I believe there was a heat game. The Florida Panthers are in the playoffs, and they're on the road. Uh, they're yeah. at home down there, too. So that's not to make excuses for them because there wasn't much of a crowd the last two nights either. But the Nats get the 3-1 win tonight, 11-3 and on the year, and we have – Masson's Byron Kerr on the phone now as well here. We wanted to talk to him about Eric Fetty's start after I saw that he was down there in Potomac watching him pitch today. For anyone who doesn't know at this point, Byron, Eric Fetty, the 2014 first-round pick, he dropped to the Nationals at 18 because uh, he injured his elbow in his draft year, had to have Tommy John right around the draft time. I remember Mike Rizzo and Chris Klein both saying at the time that they had scouted him in the year leading up to the draft, walked away from those outings impressed, but didn't think they would ever get him ended up getting him with the 18th overall pick when he was considered by both of them to be a top 10 pick. And this is three guys in a row in four draft years. They get there this way. Uh, Lucas Giolito, the 16th pick. Anthony Rendon falls a little bit because of concerns about his shoulder. And then they get Fetty at 18th overall uh, a year after that. They just 
three kids who could make a really big impact on this organization going forward that they were able to get because of their willingness to draft with injuries. And What are you seeing from him and hearing about him so far in his second full season back from Tommy John? Thanks, guys. You know, I met him at the media day uh, a couple of weeks ago. I talked to him on the phone previously, but first time I met him in person. And uh, the one thing that he's talked about and he reiterated today was that he's pain-free. And obviously to be able to pitch in April for the first time as a pro is a big deal for him. And uh, he says he's felt better than he ever has. And you'll remember back to his days in college when he pitched at UNLV that there were times when the elbow was bothering him late in that final season and Tim Chambers, the coach there, told me that uh, you know they knew he was pitching with pain, and so this is kind of a, a big deal for him to not feel anything. And, it, and this was his third start today. He has given up a couple of homers. Uh, in the second start, he gave up three homers, but one of them was an inside the Parker. And to start this game, he gave up a two-run shot in the first inning, but then settled down and uh, had a little trouble with uh, – command today walked the, the first battery faced three out of the first four innings but each time uh, got out of the jam and ended up with nine strikeouts to four walks with the three runs he really allowed just two runs had a man on first with two outs in the sixth and then jake johansson gave up a double so he finished up ending up uh, taking his first loss giving up the three runs but going five and two-thirds and obviously striking out nine so it looked good to me and uh, the velo was in the mid uh, lower 90s, maybe 93, 94, something like that. So, uh, solid start. He felt good about it. wasn't wasn't down on himself after after the start. And I think it I think it's all positive for Eric Fetty. I think that five days between starts, not having any pain, not having any issues with the elbow. I think that's the biggest deal right now, is that he's going five or six innings, but he's not feeling any pain. Hey, Byron, it's it's just great to see him back out there, especially as you as you say, if he's throwing with no pain. Uh Fetty a guy with a with a, a big sinker ball. But how uh how are his uh, his secondary offerings looking? Uh he, he mentioned in your article that uh, he felt like his change up was better. Uh how do you think his his uh, change in his slider have been doing since he's come back? Yeah, he talked about it guys that the slider was his go to pitch now. He struck out a lot of uh his his strikeout today that way. Mike Pappy, he was facing him, the University of Virginia slugger, got him to go for something uh, down and away. Also got uh, Yi Chang Chung, the guy who hit the two-run shot. He got him later in a strikeout as well. So he's able to bounce back and get some very tough pitchers. I mean, uh, maybe not a lot of people know that this Lynchburg team is pretty good and uh, a lot of a lot of free swingers, as he said, and and a lot of guys like Pappy who you know have a lot of experience playing in college world series winning championships. And, and so he's facing some upper echelon high A guys. And, um, you know, he showed a lot of uh, metal um, late in each of his at bats where he did give up. I also noticed how Franklin Bravo, the pitching coach doesn't come out and hold his hand, doesn't come out and, and uh, you know, make sure, you know, have a shoulder to cry on. They let him fight through these moments on his own, like a pro would. And I think that's a good lesson for him too. Is that uh, Bravo came out late in the in the outing, but really the you know the catcher came out a couple times because he gave up a couple of walks in one inning, and then was able to get a K, a four three, and a K to get out of it. So he's learning, um, as you can see in the NAT system, that they want these guys to uh, build the confidence in themselves that they can get out of jams uh, on their own with the help of their catcher. Matt Reistetter did a nice job catching for him, calling a good game. 
And uh, that's what this, these lessons are. It's not only coming out healthy, but it's also finding ways to get out of jams. And he's done that. You know, it's only the third start of his of his high A, and he's going to face a lot of these teams over and over again because Carolina League only has nine teams. So he'll face these guys over and over again. He's going to have to adapt throughout the season. And it's a it's a good lesson for him. And you know, a lot of people will look and say, oh, he, he gave up that two-run shot. He's given up, you know, walks and stuff. But um, the fact that he's getting through these outings and not losing and giving up seven or eight runs early in, in, in his starts is a good sign. Byron, when they drafted him, uh, I remember Klein, Chris Klein, the assistant GM, uh, director of scouting for the Nationals, talking about how they wouldn't draft a player who was injured unless they thought he could make it to the major leagues quick. This is a 23-year-old who uh, spent three years with a junior at UNLV when he was drafted. He was ranked number four on Baseball America's list for 2016. And when you talk to John Manuel for an article this winter, he said he had breakout potential for 2016. And he wouldn't be shocked if he ended up in the majors this season. How far along in his development do you think he is? He's moved pretty quickly from uh, Auburn up to Hagerstown last year. He's at high A Potomac right now. Uh, not a lot of ma- minor league experience or professional experience, but uh, are they moving him along quickly? Have you heard anything about their plans for him? And would you be surprised to see him up at some point this year or maybe next year? Yeah, they're never going to show their hand and tell me uh, stuff like that, as you probably know <laughs> from the past. But uh, you know, you've seen what you've seen what Lucas Giolito has done, and where he is right now. I just uh, finished an interview with Jeff Passan. I know you know about the book called The Arm, about Tommy John mm-hmm. surgery, and and he mentioned about these windows for guys that have recovered from Tommy John. Once that clock starts after they're recovered and they get a foot, uh, first full season in. They, uh, you know, not only the Nationals, but Major League teams in general want to start moving these guys along because, you know, a lot of them feel like that window of when they're going to be really, really good after Tommy John is that third, fourth, and fifth year after the Tommy John surgery. And that's, you know, what we saw from Jordan Zimmerman and what we've seen now from Steven Strasburg. And, you know, you, you can see how, you know, obviously they let Zimmerman move on there's the potential that Strasburg might move on if they don't resign him. So they need guys like Giolito and Fetty to take these guys' place in the next two years. And um, because they're coming out of Tommy John as well, you know, they feel like that three, four, five, six-year window after Tommy John is when those guys are at their best. It's not science, obviously. There are some pitchers where it does not work out. There are some pitchers that excel and some that don't. But uh, that uh, that period of time right before they hit free agency, you know, that's the time when they want to get him up here. So um, I, I don't think they're going to accelerate him if he's not ready. Um, if Giolito moves up, for instance, in midseason, then yes, you probably would see Fetty move up to double A if, if he's doing well. But they're not going to push him if he's not excelling. So um, he's on the right track. Certainly he's not going to have 10 strikeouts and one hit in six innings every single start but uh, the fact that he's getting through these starts he's going five plus he's going six innings his pitch count was 95 and 54 tonight Uh, so he is he is throwing a lot up there Uh, that's a good sign and absolutely he might move up to double a but I would be kind of surprised if he made it all the way to the nationals by the end of the year so guys you got another one or I had one more I wanted to ask Byron before we let him go Oh, go ahead. 
I, I just was looking at some of the names in the lineup. Uh, Stevenson, Andrew Stevenson, the draft mm, yeah. this past year. Mm-hmm. Marmaleo, Diaz, Drew Ward, who's someone I'm really interested in. I see he's hitting 320 there. But anyone else stand out for you when you were down there uh, taking a look at Fetty? I, I was kind of interested in Stevenson in particular. They were supposedly evened out what was an odd swing of his uh, after they drafted him. So anyone else stick out from what you were watching today? Yeah, great question. I thought Stevenson did a great job. His on-base percentage is pretty high. He's had a base hit in every one of his 10 games he's played in so far with Potomac. So his swing looks very uh, smooth to me now, making good contact, and he's got good speed. So he's going to get on a base a lot. Get on base a lot. Uh, Jose Marmalejos also got a base hit today, and Kyan Norfolk, uh, those two, Marmalejos and Norfolk, later on in the, in the lineup have been hitting well early this season. That's a good sign. Drew Ward. Uh, started off well. He slowed down a little bit. Always a concern with him is the strikeouts. Um, he's not going to be the fastest guy down to first base, so he's going to have to make some good contact and, and make the ball do the work for him. Uh, obviously, his big focus right now is improving on his defense at third, and he said that's been something that he's really concentrated on. So uh, the guys that are jumping out early are Stevenson, Marmalejos, Norfolk, and uh, uh, you know, they're, they're still hoping that Drew Ward can get going in the second year. He certainly can put up some power numbers. But uh, they have not hit well here to begin the season, and uh, the pitching has been pretty good. Um, but, um, you know, I like what I saw from the swings from all three of those guys. I think they're going to be solid high-A prospects. And uh, if they can continue to to, to uh, swing the bat, get on base, their speed is so good that they'll, they'll uh, provide a lot of offense for the team. And, Trip Keister wants that. He wants to go first to third, first to home. He wants to be aggressive on the base pads. They're just not getting enough base runners right now. So uh, that's something they're definitely working on as they head on this road trip. I really appreciate you coming on, Byron, at Math and Kerr on Twitter. You can find all of his work uh, covering the minors and covering the Nationals a lot more this year, which is great to see at MathAndSports.com. Fetty goes five and two-thirds, three hits, three runs, four walks, which I'm sure he didn't like, but nine Ks from the 24 batters he faced. And really appreciate you coming on and just giving us your insights on what you saw down there today. I think it was great stuff. Thank you. Thanks, guys. We'll see you Friday at the park. All right. Talk to you soon. That's Nightly, sponsored by FederalBaseball.com. Doghouse, any last thoughts before we sign off here for the night? I might have lost Doghouse, too. I know what he would have said in that case, though. He would have said, go, Nat. Nat's go, Nat! Sponsored by Federal Baseball, <laughs> FederalBaseball.com. There he is. Talk to you guys tomorrow night. Thanks again to Byron for coming on.